Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, your kindness and your goodness toward us. This is certainly a day to be celebrated. This is the day that has impacted our every day. And we thank you, Father, for this is a memory of your grace toward us and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> what fun to see uh, the kids' production like that. Isn't that awesome? Today, I wanted to uh, share with you, in short, Paul's defense of the resurrection. Paul defends the resurrection. Many today question the validity of the resurrection of Jesus. As a matter of fact, the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, um, on April the 9th, published their findings of a survey that they took about on Europe, or Britain, excuse me, Britain, more specifically so. This was done on um, April the 9th, 20, 2017, in 2017, not too long ago. And it states this, that a quarter of people who describe themselves as Christians in Great Britain do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. So that group has been growing, and that group even has now started entering the pulpit, where people now believe that Jesus was a good example and that's about all that he was, and that he never actually rose from the dead. There are also Gnostic Christians today who believe that that is basically just an, a psychological implication of what happens to us when we follow the example of Jesus. We too rise from our dead lives. And so everything becomes philosophical. And since more and more Christians no longer believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, I would like for you this morning to imagine with me what would life be like if there was no resurrection? What would life be like if Jesus, in fact, stayed in the tomb and never came out? What would life be like for us today if Christ never conquered death, but death conquered Christ instead? The Apostle Paul had to confront some of the people in his day who started promulgating the same idea. And they preached that there was no resurrection of the dead. And as our opening scripture shows this morning, Paul knew how to answer these skeptics. So what I'd like to do is, I'd like to go through that verse, that scripture, portion of scriptures that Han read through, and we'll do it one by one to see what Paul, how Paul responded to this claim that Jesus never rose from the dead, and neither would you. Paul says this, first he said that preaching would therefore be profitless. Preaching would be pointless. He says that in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, he says, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, then both you and I would be wasting our time here today. Bible study, Bible teaching, preaching, and ministry in general would be a complete, pointless, profitless, and fruitless exercise. It would be a complete waste of time. Rather stay home sleep in, or go to a sports game 
you would spend your time more fruitful in a more fruitful way than coming to church. As a matter of fact, Adrian Rogers, who now has passed, he said this, and I quote, Every minister that questions the resurrection should leave the ministry and go get himself an honest job. What are you preaching for if there's no resurrection? Number two, if Jesus never rose from the grave, we see Paul says that faith would be foolish. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, he says, And if Christ not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. It would be obviously a foolish thing for anyone to have faith in a dead Messiah. Faith is no better. Faith is no stronger than the object of faith. Faith has an object. You're sitting in your chair today very comfortably. You have faith it's going to hold you. But your faith would be foolish to go beyond the strength of that chair. In the same way, your faith in Christ would be foolish that He will save you eternally if you couldn't be saved from death, from death itself. So how do we know He has the power to receive us or rescue us from death if He was still in the grave? You see, His dead body in a tomb would be a prophecy of what one day would be true of you and me. However, Jesus not only claimed to be the Messiah, but He also lived up to His claim. He walked out of the grave. And many eyewitnesses saw Jesus after the resurrection. They saw the risen Christ. If you go to a court of law today, they, they will have witnesses on the stand. People who saw the accident or people who saw the shooting. There'll be witnesses and these eyewitnesses point to the truth. And there were eyewitnesses that saw the resurrected Christ I wanted to list you in chronological order. I believe most of this is chronological. Of all those eyewitnesses who saw Jesus after His resurrection, we'll start with Mary Magdalene. She saw Him in John 20, verse 14 and 16. Then secondly, Mary, the mother of James, Salome and Joanna, they were eyewitnesses of Jesus after Mary Magdalene, and they saw Him in Matthew 28, 9 through 10. The Apostle Peter saw the resurrected Christ in Luke 24, 34. Then two disciples on the road to Emmaus saw Jesus in Luke 24, 13 and 16. Then all of the disciples, with the exception of Thomas, saw Jesus, the resurrected Christ, in John 20, verse 19 and 20. And a week later, on that next Sunday, all the disciples plus Thomas saw Jesus again, in his resurrected body in John 20, verse 26 and 28. After which, seven disciples saw Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. That is in John 21, verse 1 and 2. After which, 11 more disciples saw Jesus on their way to the Mount of Galilee in Matthew 28 and 16 and 17. And then on top of that, after that, 500 men, which we assume did not include the women and the children, 500 men at the same time saw Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15 and 16 and 6. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6. Then James, the half-brother of Jesus, saw him in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 7. And finally, Saul of Tarsus saw Jesus in Acts chapter 9 verse 3 and 5. 
There are the eyewitnesses. I mean, they are crowding the stand inside of the court to testify to the risen Christ. And as a matter of fact, just as a point of interest, I don't know if you knew this, but we today have more proof of Christ's resurrection than we have proof that Julius Caesar was ever alive. There's more proof of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead than we have proof of Julius Caesar being a true living human being. So number one, Christ didn't rise from the dead. All preaching will be pointless, fruitless, profitless. Number two, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, faith would be absolutely foolish. Now number three, the Apostle Paul responds by saying that the apostles would all be deceivers. They'd be liars. They'd be frauds. 1 Corinthians 15, 15 and 16 says, Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God. We are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up. If in fact, the dead do not raise, rise. If the dead do not rise, well then Christ didn't rise from the dead, and we would be false witnesses of whom we claim we saw alive. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. Paul is not saying that they would have been mistaken in their testimony. He's not saying that they would have had a misunderstanding and that they would be wrong. He's in fact saying that they would be giving false witness, which is a crime. And they would be fraudulent, which is to be prosecuted. It is a sin. They would be in sin to claim Christ had risen from the dead. It is one thing to be mistaken and wrong. It is a complete different thing to be a false witness. This begs the question where when the apostles stood up, testified to the resurrection, resurrected Christ, were they liars? Were the apostles deceivers? Were the apostles a bunch of frauds? If so, why would they deceive? Then why would they lie? What would be the motive? There's a school shooter. What's the first question they ask? What was the motive? Why did, why did this happen? Why would they go about pulling that trigger? Whenever there's a crime, the question is, what's the motive? And we're asking the same question today. What would be their motive for committing the crime of fraud? Why would these apostles sin by lying about the resurrection? You see, people lie and they deceive for a reason in order to protect themselves or to gain, to profit. But the obvious next question would be, what gain would they have if Jesus rose from the grave? What would be their gain? They have no, they have no public gain from a risen Christ. They only had persecution. <laughs> That's all they had. Where is their gain? There is none. Not only were they prosecuted, but they were publicly humiliated. They were burnt at the stake. 
They were stoned. They were killed. They were crucified. They were boiled. They were crushed. They were fed to wild animals. What was their gain? For all lying together about the truth of a resurrected Christ. You also have to understand, today people have it in the back of their minds, but Christianity is big business. There's big purpose behind it. Not then. <laughs> there was nothing. Nobody. It was a completely flaging, failing religion. Why would they have lied about this? If in fact they didn't only gain nothing, they were fed to wild animals, crucified upside down and boiled. Cut in half. Looking at these men's lives, you are, are you willing to say that the apostles were conmen? Are you willing to say that the apostles or the apostle John was a crook? Are you willing to say that the apostle Paul was a false witness and a fraud, a liar? And that all these men and many more would die for the same lie that brought them nothing but shame and death. Of course not. But if Christ is still in the grave, preaching would be pointless, faith would be foolish, the disciples and the apostles all would be fraudulent, yet without themselves benefiting in any way. And number four, Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if He didn't come out of the grave, sin would be sovereign. Sin would completely destroy absolutely everyone. In 1 Corinthians 15, 17, it says, And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. So these people in 1 Corinthians, that were saying like, well, you know what? No, this is life. Jesus is a good example, and when we die, we're in the grave, and nothing comes of us. We become fertilizer. That's all. And Paul was saying, well, there's a problem here. What about sin? If God is just, how is sin punished? You are still in your sin. How are you forgiven? You see, every one of us have sinned. Not one of us are guiltless. But if Christ did not rise, then you and I are still sinners. We are sinners by birth, we are sinners by nature, we are sinners by practice, we are sinners by choice. That's true of us. Without Christ rising from the grave, we are without any hope for forgiveness of our sins. We are with no hope of redemption from our sins. We are with no hope of justification in the face of our sin. We are with no hope for the salvation from the consequences of our sin. We have no hope of being right with God in any way. All you and I have to look forward to is eternal condemnation for the sins that we have been born in, the sin of our nature, the sin of our choice, the, sin of the sins we practiced. So the truth is, and this was Paul's point, that God cannot just overlook that sin. That's why it makes no sense as a true atheist 
to have actual meaning in this life. You say, if you find a true atheist, which I don't believe exists, God doesn't believe in atheists. They don't believe in him, they say, but he doesn't believe in them because the Bible says that every man knows. Every man knows. But if there was a true atheist, if there was a true atheist, he couldn't but have zero meaning in this world. There's no meaning. Why? Because you die and you become fertilizer. There's no meaning. But Paul's saying, what about your sin? That's just going to go away? God's not going to judge your sin? How is he a just judge? without also judging the sin of your life. The fact that you were born in sin, you have a nature of sin, that you practice sin, and that you choose sin. What's going to happen to that? You see, if God stopped judging sin, then God would stop being holy. He couldn't be holy and not judge sin. He couldn't be just and not judge sin. So what happens? Christ didn't rise from the dead. You are still dead in your sin. And you have no hope. And all you have to look forward to is eternal condemnation. Your sin would be pardoned in Christ or punished in hell. But it can't be overlooked. If Jesus was still in the grave, that would mean that God did not accept the sacrifice of Calvary. Jesus was still in the grave. God didn't accept that sacrifice. The moment he rose from the, from the dead was proof to you that God accepted Christ's sacrifice on your behalf. It was acceptable. Now, how do we know that Jesus wasn't just a religious fanatic? I mean, we have many religious fanatics, don't we? How do we know Jesus isn't just another one of those? How do we know that Jesus wasn't just a fanatic with a martyrdom complex? Victimhood mentality. How do we know that God actually accepted Christ's work on the cross and that it wasn't just a big show put on by some crazy suicidal man, kamikaze pilot, the proverbial kamikaze pilot, who planned his own death in a way that he would be revered for and remembered forever? How do we know the answers to these questions that have plagued humanity? Well, the answer is found completely from beginning to end in the resurrection. If there wasn't a resurrection, then you could ask those questions. And they could be justified to a degree. But if there's a resurrection, then there are completely satisfied answers for those questions. Christ rose from the dead. And that event proclaims God's acceptance and God's approval of Christ. Romans 4.25 says just that. It says, He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. He was raised because you were justified. You were made right. That's why He came out of the grave. Here is the gospel in a nutshell. In his life on earth, God loved you. Christ loved you. In his death, he saved you. In his grave, he carried your sins away. 
in His resurrection, He justified you and He made you right with God forever. He made you right with God forever. So if He didn't rise from the dead, then He would be a liar. And all of His claims of being Lord, being God, Son of God, all of His claims and all of the promises He made you and I would also be lies if He didn't rise from the dead. So the entire gospel hangs on Jesus coming out of the grave. So we see Paul saying that if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then preaching would be in vain, would be pointless, faith would be empty, the apostles would be deceivers, liars, and frauds, sin would rule and reign. And then he says, number five, death would have dominion. Death would have dominion. In 1 Corinthians 15, 18, he says, Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. In other words, the loved ones, your loved ones that have gone before you, they've all perished. You'll never see them again. There's no hope for your loved ones, as there's absolutely no hope for you. You become fertilizer. You have no meaning in this world. There is no purpose to your life. Your life is pointless if Christ didn't rise, because you will grow old and die. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, the only thing every one of us has to look forward to is to get older, to get sicker, to get weaker, to eventually die, to get covered with dirt, to perish for all eternity. And there's nothing after that. Imagine being an actual true atheist. How empty life is. How purposeless <laughs> this world is to anybody that truly holds that view. I can tell that they are not true atheists. I haven't seen one because of their anger. But God sent us His Word to prove to us it's an account of Christ's resurrection. Help us understand that life is not just a cruel joke. But everything you do here matters eternally. God sent us His Word, His Spirit, and His messengers to let us know today that death does not have dominion. Because Christ conquered death and rose from the grave when? 2,000 years ago. And that's why we gather on Sundays. That was the day He rose from the grave. Romans 8 verse 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, in the same way, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. In the same way Jesus was pulled out of that grave and out of death, and in the same way Jesus was made to live again, in that same way you too will be pulled out of that grave your mortal bodies, it says, your mortal bodies will receive life. Watch it. Let's read it again. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, 
He will give life to your mortal bodies by His very same Spirit living within you. That is good news, folks. That makes me, when I get up out of the bed in the morning and I'm thinking about what I have to do today and accomplish today for the glory of God, it makes it all worth it. It gives you purpose. It gives meaning to the reason why you want to you build families and you want to build the kingdom of God and be involved in what God is doing. Amen? Because everything you do here is eternal. As a matter of fact, not to scare you, but we will give an account for every single word we say, let alone every single deed we do. <laughs> I guess what? Jesus is the Word made flesh. And it's very clear in the Bible that we will stand before God on that judgment day, that day of judgment, and we will be evaluated according to Scriptures. You will be, he will have the Scriptures roll down like a Walgreens receipt. <laughs> and He will measure you next to those Scriptures. The way we were called to live inside of the will of God, friends, is not by having an extra-biblical, higher knowledge, exclusive to self about what God says for you to do in life. That is not the will of God for you. The will of God for you is you responding scripturally in every single area of your life today. Does this make sense? You want to be in the will of God for your life. Because you are going to stand there before Him on that great day. Not the Lord's day. You are here on the Lord's day. But you will be there on the day of the Lord. So death would have dominion, Paul says. Death would have dominion. But the word in Romans 8 Verse 11 promises us that as Christ was raised by that very same Spirit in the very same way, your mortal bodies will be raised and you will have a resurrected body. And then finally, Paul responds to these people who do not believe in the resurrection of the dead and he says to them that if the dead do not rise, therefore Christ would, did not rise. And if Christ did not rise, guess what that means to you? The future would be fearful. The future would be fearful. How many of you know the song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow? You see, imagine if you didn't live. <laughs> you couldn't face tomorrow. The future would be fearful. If preaching is pointless, if faith is foolish, if the apostles were fraudulent, if sin is sovereign, if death has dominion, then the future would be fearful. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ... In other words, if the only hope we have, if the only hope Christ gives us is for this life, He says, then we are of all men most pitiable. A wise man once said, quote, If Jesus was still in that grave, then nothing really matters. But, if Jesus came out of that grave, 
then nothing else really matters. <laughs> if, you have, if, if you have the risen Christ as your Lord, then your destination is secure. Preaching and teaching is, in fact, profitable. Faith is, in fact, eternally valuable. The disciples, known as the apostles, are, in fact, dependable. The record of your sins have been nailed to the cross, and they've been paid in full. Death has, in fact, been defeated. You have hope. And therefore, your future is glorious. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we have so much hope. And we have so much truth to stand on and to hold fast to and to believe upon. Lord, thank you for allowing us to look down the corridors of time into destiny, into the future, into that great day of the Lord. And instead of trembling, we know, God, that Jesus made a way for us. But not only to be able to stand before you on that great day, but to live in this life with purpose, to have a meaningful life, knowing that all we do here matters there. Amen. Amen. Thank you.